Hi there and welcome to Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the message. Week two of our series, One Another. And uh, I have the privilege today of on speaking on that. And I thought, let's maybe start with a photo of my family so that you get a bit of context where I come from. And uh, so I am married to Jana. We've been married now for almost 12 years. And uh, what a blessing. And I just want to say this photo was taken on Mother's Day just a few weeks back. And it was uh, the first time that we got all of them to sit still and to actually take a family photo. So immediately you can tell that we are not a perfect family. We are just a normal family. And the reason for that is our little Daniel is now one years old baby. He decided that a family photo shoot is not one of his priorities. So he is asleep on that photo, fast asleep. He's out of it. Uh, then our middle child, Francois, he's three years old, and he brought a prop to the family photo shoot, a pink balloon. Uh, all the middle children in the house, can I just see, where are you? You bring the fun into the vibes and to the family. Uh, they said last week was an international day for middle children. Everyone missed it, but we appreciate you. <laughs> And we love you, and <laughs> what a joy. And Frana brings so much joy to our household. And then my oldest boy, Christopher, with a hat. Uh, he's six years old now, and uh, he's into rugby. So that is a blessing. He only wants to wear a springbok attire, which I can't afford, but we are really celebrating his life. My uh, mother-in-law was also there, and my newest son in the house is Eddie at the back. He moved in. Uh, in February into our house, and what an incredible privilege to be family. And I want to say this, is many times in church, I think we have a bit of a misconception when it comes to the church of God. Many times we think that the Christian church is mainly for spiritual entertainment. You come to a service, you are connected to a community group, you are connected to a process just to feed yourself spiritually. You go out of here, you feel that your, your spiritual tank is ready for the week. Sometimes we think that the church is maybe just a charity organization. And yes, it's part of our mission. It's part of our mandate to bless our city. And for all of you that were there on, at Street Store yesterday, just a big shout out. Was Street Store, Mensa? Great. But that's not all that we are. Sometimes we think the church is a religious institution just to uh, uh, help the world understand what morality is all about and what's right and what's wrong. My friend, can I say that the biggest, fullest, richest expression of God's church is family. You see at the back, family on mission. That's who we are. We are family. And let me say it. What is the importance of family in a person's life? Firstly, it's the place of belonging. It's where you feel safe. It's, it's your space, you know. You can just be yourself in family. Also, family is the main vehicle that God chose to actually form identity in a person. Fathers, I don't know if you know this, but as a dad, one of your biggest responsibilities is to bring out God's identity in your children. God has already said, this kid, this is who he is or she is. And you establish that in the person's life. I mean, 
today, if you look around, young people are identityless. <laughs> I mean, a few years back, it was easy. You know, your dad was a plumber, now you're a plumber, and your son will be a plumber, your, your mom was a nurse, you'll be a nurse. It's easy. But today, you have to understand, young people, they have a, you know, a blank canvas when it comes to who they want to be. They can choose who they want to be, which creates so much anxiety for young people. Because there's not, there's not a safety in terms of where am I heading? What is God saying about my life? I also lead the, the evening service at Pihar Park. And the main question for those kids is, what is my destiny? What is my purpose? It's so sad because when they understand who they are in Christ, your destiny, your purpose, your future is not that important. Because you understand who I am. In God. As a family, that is the, one of the main responsibilities to figure out who you are. Another thing, <laughs> we see each other at our best and at our worst. Just, you know, nudge your wife a bit, you know. You see her with her makeup when she goes to work, earrings, but you also see her at night after makeup with her little, what, what is that called in English? Yapon, gown that should have been thrown out 20 years ago, but she's still wearing it, you know. We see each other. I mean, you see him in, your, in his boxers, and you tell him, just go to Mr. Price and get another pair. <laughs> and he's like, no, but it won't be as comfortable as mine. We see each other at our best and at our worst, but here's the very important thing about family. Family is all about growing up <laughs> for parents and for children. <laughs> I mean, I hear the moms, the new moms, uh, they always say, Yo, I can't imagine that this little baby, they, they're going to leave the house one day. And I don't want that to happen until they are 18 and they don't want to leave the house. Then you're like, how am I going to get them out of here? It's all about raising up people with a solid sense of who they are and where they're going. And then we release them into the world to go and be who God has called them to be. It's exactly the same with spiritual family. It's a place of belonging. It's a place where we see each other at our best, at our worst. It's a place where we are secure to figure out who we are in God, and then He sends us out from here into the world to bring His mission into our workplaces, into our extended family, into our streets, into our businesses, wherever you are. I want to spend some time this morning just to clarify how this family of God actually started. I don't know if you know, but today is Pentecost Sunday. Where's all the happy Pentecost, Pentecostal people? You can say hallelujah, amen, it's fine. <laughs> Jesus started this mission on earth with 12 ordinary guys, normal guys. They didn't finish Torah school. They uh, didn't finish matric. They were thrown out. They went to go and do some other stuff. Jesus calls these 12 men to be with him in life. For three years, he pours out himself into them. He invites them to be part of his life. They have seen incredible stuff. I can just imagine the disciples, you know, what are we going to see next? What's going to happen next? 
We saw him last week. He rocked up at a funeral, raised a guy from the dead. And this week, he's going to the lepers, you know, to the dying. Uh, what is he going to do? He heals them, you know. He raises up a, a, a little girl from, from the grave, you know. He multiplies food. What's happening next? Their lives are changed radically. John said at one stage, he said, we tasted, we handled the word of life. <laughs> they were living with God. Then John chapter 13 comes along. <laughs> Jesus said to these guys, okay, uh, boykies, uh, this has been fun. I'm leaving. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, stop, I'm going. <laughs> I can just imagine Peter. I mean, he left his wife behind. He had to explain to his mother-in-law why he's leaving his wife and his business. Can you imagine that conversation with your mother-in-law? Like, there's this guy that I'm following into the wilderness. Um, will you take care of your daughter again for me, please? <laughs> and now he left everything. He's following Jesus. He's seeing these miracles. He's experiencing the power of God. And now Jesus is telling him he's going away. Now Peter has to go back and explain. Sorry, I made a mistake. I left you guys. I left everything. This was a fraud. I'm sorry. Next chapter. Jesus says, don't worry. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I am with, I'm going to be with you again. You have to understand, the disciples were not the A candidates. So even I'm confused when I read that. And I'm not, I'm not an A candidate, but I don't understand what, what's happening here. Are you leaving, Jesus? Are you with us now? What is going on? This is really a bad joke to pull on us. You scared the hell out of us in that moment. But thank the Lord, you're not going. I can text my mother-in-law, say, don't worry, I'm bringing back the fish. We, we'll be fine. What happens? Mount of Olives. Jesus ascended into heaven. We celebrated that a few weeks back. Uh, well, last week. Ascension. And boy, did he come back. He poured out his spirit on the disciples. Before the outpouring of the, the Pentecost moment, you had to see Jesus face to face. To be with him. To experience him. Him. Now, his spirit, not a spirit, the spirit of Jesus has been poured out in every believer. Listen to this, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. And filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I don't know about you, but in my life, before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I, I was saved when I was 17 years old. And three years later... I was only baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. But those three years, I was a kind of a lost case in terms of my Christianity. I struggled. 
I was still in the sin of my youth. I didn't have the courage or the, you know, the wisdom how to share my faith with others. I would sit at the back of the church and just, you know, don't talk to me. I didn't serve. But the moment I was filled with the Holy Spirit, my life drastically changed. For the first time, I experienced what it meant to live this Christian life with power. Power to overcome sin. Power to be in communion with other believers. Power to witness. Power to serve. Power to obey. Suddenly, I was filled with the energy to live the Christian life. No Holy Spirit, no Christianity. Abraham Kuyper, one of the biggest theologians in history, said the following. He said, the Holy Spirit is like the electricity of a family. He was speaking on the family of God. And he said, the Holy Spirit is like the electricity of a family. And he was actually, I think, speaking to us today. I mean, let's be honest. In Bloom, we don't have load shedding. Come on. That's not really load shedding. The guys in Gauteng, however, I mean, I see my family, they sometimes have 16 hours of load shedding. I mean, my dad recently bought a cow in the back of the yard. He was, uh, they had a windmill going. No, I'm just joking. But they went back to, you know, Amish living in, in that sense. In Bloom, we don't have it. But let me just say, it's very uncomfortable when that, the lights go out. Everyone, I, I see these days, everyone is like, ah, oh, load shedding. And when it comes back, what happens? There's almost this worship moment in the house. Glory, victory, we're back on. <laughs> it's a sad place without electricity in a family. Mom can't cook food, dad can, can't watch the TV, the kids can't play on their phones. It's, it disrupts the whole thing. It's powerless. Friends, the family of God without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is powerless. We don't make much of a difference in the world. It's missionless. We don't connect to one another. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, incredible things start to happen in your personal walk with God and in the church. We said last week that one of the biggest gifts that the Holy Spirit gives the church is the outpouring of God's love in our hearts. Do you remember that? Romans 5. What I want to highlight quickly today is three things, how he actually does that in the local church. One of the biggest blessings is the fact that we don't look for, we don't seek the love of God out there as an emotion or an intellectual exercise or a willpower, you know, a, a dedication. No, we have been receiving the love of God by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And why did Paul say in our hearts? Because I think that he was referring back to Ezekiel 36 when he said, I will give you a new heart. I will remove the heart of stone from you. I will give you a heart of flesh. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He removes our heart of stone for people. <laughs> he makes our hearts soft again for people. How does that look in the local church? Three ideas. Number one, the Holy Spirit is at work and He's building up the people of God. He's building up the church. 
So build one another up. He wants to use us in that process. One Thessalonian, that one. Sorry, I'm from the south, guys. Thess, let's call it Thess. 1 Thess 5 verse 11, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Paul is using the Greek word here, edify. Or edify is the actual English word, but he's using incredible metaphor here. Actually, what Paul is saying, the word edify means to build a house. Any builders here? Just wave at me. Um, okay, no, you don't have to. Your arms are too sore after this week. To build a house. So what Paul is actually saying is that every single believer is in essence a spiritual house that God is building. The local church, in essence, is a spiritual house that God is building. The global church, in essence, is a spiritual house that God is building. Just turn to someone and tell them, you're a house. You're a palace. Ladies, trick. Tell him, he's a palace. Castle, you're my castle. Don't tell your wife your roof is leaking. All of us are houses. Some of you are um, big houses. Some of you are windy houses. You're a house. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> you know what? God the Father is the architect. Jesus is the foundation of the church. He's also the head of the church. The Holy Spirit is the builder. He wants to include you in that process. So listen here, every time you have an engagement with someone inside the church or outside the church, it's an opportunity to take another spiritual brick and put it on the house that God is building in that person's life. You also have the choice. Are you going to build up or are you going to break down? Are you going to take one of the bricks down? Every opportunity that we have together is an opportunity to build each other up. Scripture, prayer, encouragement, physical help, whatever it is, we have an opportunity as God's people to build one another up. Second thing, exhorting one another. <laughs> that sounds painful, and it is. Rebuke. I love the King James Version. Rebuke one another. Are you ready? Oh. <laughs> Who of you grew up in a family where there was no conflict? Everyone just, you know, threw everything just under the rug. We never have conflict. And then one day, it's the thir third world war that breaks out in that household. Anyone grew up in that? Who grew up in a family who was fighting like most of the time? Okay, we pray for you. Okay, life center, we're gonna help you. Here's the thing, friends. Paul actually, uh, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews said the following, Hebrews chapter three, verse 13. He says, exhort one another every day. As long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. He's using a very strong word here, exhort, rebuke. You know what the root meaning of this word is? It's to call someone 
to your side and to start walking with them in a certain direction. It's to call one to your side, walk with them. A few, years, a few weeks back, I had the privilege of going on a hike in the Drakensberg. It wasn't a hike, it was actually a character challenge. <laughs> yeah, but literally, they advertise a thing of like extreme character challenge. So obviously, I went. And um, we were 200 men who walked the whole amphitheater of the Drakensberg in a day. <laughs> we started the morning, 5 o'clock with only two hours of sleep behind us, and we walked and hiked until the evening at 11. So we did the whole descent in the dark. The most dangerous place in the Drakensberg, we did in the dark after a whole day's hike. Okay, so they wanted to break us, and they did. So I saw incredible, mature, Christian men lose their salvation on that descent. They started swearing. They started crying. They started throwing things like babies. I, it, was, it was a moment. <laughs> you know what happened? And that's, we always do that when we get tired, when we are exhausted to the point of breakdown, what happens? We start looking for shortcuts. So now we, we are hiking, 11 o'clock at night. Some of the men fell. It, they are swearing. They're shouting at each other. It's incredible. <laughs> I'm standing there. I'm the pastor, and I thought to myself, I'm so glad I don't have to disciple these people. I'm just here for myself. <laughs> We don't have to debrief. I can just tell my wife I didn't swear and fall. So, character. <laughs> so, what happened was these guys started when when you get so tired, you're so exhausted with no sleep and you're dehydrated, you look for shortcuts. So now you're looking at the mountain, you're seeing there the, the people in front of you are already there, and you see the road is go, is taking a bit of a detour. So what they will do is they will you know go for the shortest distance. And then some of them would break stuff <laughs> and fall again and, you know, hurt themselves in the process. Up until a point where our group leader got the guys together and say, stop your nonsense, follow me, come alongside me. I know the path where we are going. Don't take shortcuts. Don't go off route. This is the most dangerous part of the mountain. Stay with me. My friend, that is exhortation in the Bible. When you see your brother and sister looking for shortcuts, they may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, they are going off track. What do you do? You call them. You go to them. You take them by the side and say, come and walk with me. Come and be close to me. You see, what happened in the church so many times is the fact that as a church, we are distancing ourselves from people who are going off course. So we'll look at them from a distance and say, hey, you're wrong. Come back. You're going to hell. Come. People have been hurt in the church by that kind of approach. Exhortation means you see something in your brother. He's going off course. He's taking shortcuts. You go to him. 
you bridge the gap. You take him by the hand and say, brother, come, I'm here for you. I'm going to walk this road with you. Many times when we see people go, of course, we distance ourselves from them. Well, the Lord will figure that out. No, you take them by the hand. If you see that in someone, you have to be willing to walk the journey with that person towards wholeness, towards victory. Get out of the woods with them. We have to do that if we love one another. That's why we don't call each other friends, spiritual friends. Morning friend, morning friend. No, we say more broer, morning brother. And it's not because you have forgotten their name. <laughs> There's something significant in the fact that we call each other brothers. Last thing is we carry one another's burdens. Galatians 6 says, Paul says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Paul actually echoes that a bit later in Romans, where he says, when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. We've all experienced that in life. Your kid wakes up at two in the morning, crying, you, it's load shedding, so you're going in the dark, and you hit or bump your little pinky toe against that couch or whatever. I brought a picture with me. What happens in that moment? Your whole body experience excruciating pain. It's as if your hands are also in pain when that little thing gets hurt. You overcompensate for that hurt. Your wife, she hears you scream in tongues from the hallway. <laughs> Your whole body takes responsibility for that one little piece that got hurt in the process. Friends, the family of God works like that. If you see your brother suffer, if you see your sister and she's carrying burdens, it's making her tired and burnout. What do we do as family? We come under them. We overcompensate. We bring power to their lives by the Holy Spirit. Three ways. Number one, prayer. All of us can pray. When we see someone who's carrying too many burdens, we pray for them. Presence. Don't distance yourself. Distance yourself from a person who's carrying burdens. We sometimes do that because we, we understand that we can't take full responsibility for the issue. And what the Bible is not saying is you need to take full responsibility for each other's burdens. No, the Bible is saying serve where you can with what you have. Just by being close to them. And then lastly, practical. Like maybe you can, you can't, you can't solve all of it, but you can add one piece to lighten their burdens. Hey, I see our kids go to the same school. Listen here, this week I'm bringing them home and I'm driving them to school for you. We always have enough food in the house. For this week, we're going to just send you some food. We, we serve one another with what we have on a practical level. Allah, you can join me on stage and I want us to end just by 
singing a song, but before we're going to do that, just being church, just being family, the family of God. Day on Pentecost Sunday, the family of God started. God is Father, Jesus our brother, the Holy Spirit, the builder of this church. Doxareo North is not built by a full-time leadership team. The head of this church is not Abel. This church is built by the Holy Spirit. The head of, the head of this church is Jesus. God is the architect. He's putting this thing together in your life and in this family. Holy Spirit wants to minister, to bring His power in this church. So maybe you resonate with one of these three. Like, Eugene, I just need, I need some building up. It feels like my house is falling apart a bit. I just need someone to come and encourage me today, to build me up, to just put another brick on top of my wall. Maybe you are at a place where you say, Eugene, I think I'm missing the plot a bit. I'm going off track. My heart has become hardened. Things that bothered me in the past about myself, they don't bother me anymore. I lost objectivity over my own life. I'm looking for shortcuts. I'm blaming people. You need someone to come alongside you today and say, buddy, come and walk with me. Let me show you where we're going. Or maybe you're at a place where you say, I have so many burdens that I'm carrying at the moment, and some of them are too heavy for me. I don't even have the faith to speak to God about it. Nobody is seeing the inner struggle in my life about this burden that I'm carrying. And today, I just need to be honest before God and before His people and just say, can someone just carry this with me? So close your eyes for a moment. And if, if you are in one of these categories, I want to invite you to do a very bold thing. And it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some faith. You need, to, you need to trust God's word when he says that the church, the family of God, is a family. That the church is there to build one another up, to exhort one another, to carry one another's burdens. If you're in one of those categories, won't you stand in your seat with me for a moment? We just want to lay our hands on you and pray for you. Family, would you open up your eyes for a moment and just look around. If you feel in your heart that you have faith to minister to some of these people, I want you to go and stand next to them. Just place your hand on their shoulders. 
and start praying what God is laying on your heart right now. Can I please ask, nobody stands alone. There's a young man there in the middle, young lady at the back, couple there, lady, lady, lady. of you sitting, won't you, won't you pray with them? Going to give us two minutes to just minister to these people so that they can experience the power of the Holy Spirit at work in His church. Let's trust God for His Spirit to Spirit, we want to celebrate and thank you that you came upon the church on that day of Pentecost, Lord. And Jesus, today our prayer again is that you would fill your church with your Spirit, Lord. That you would fill us, Lord, for obedience, that you would fill us for mission, that you would fill us for intimacy with you that you would fill us for service and witness to the world. Holy Spirit, you are the power of the church, God. We don't wanna be a powerless church, Lord. We wanna be filled with your divine power at work in and through us. So this is our desire, this is our prayer, Lord, that you would fill us today afresh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for open hearts. Thank you, God we can receive the gift of your spirit in our family today. We glorify you, Lord. We worship you and exalt your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit our website or follow us on social media at Doxadeo Bloemfontein North. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next time.